Hey. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Reed Carruthers, skipper of the number two ranked team in Manitoba, ahead of the Viterra Men's Curling Championship in Nipawa next week. And then also Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post will talk to us about free agency from the Riders' point of view coming up on the podcast. The Viterra Men's Curling Championship, it begins Tuesday in Nipawa as the top men's teams from across the country compete for a trip to the Briar. Yesterday, we had Matt Dunstone on the show, skip of the number one team in the province and the country. Tonight, it's Reed Carruthers, skip of the second-ranked team in the province and fifth in the nation, meaning there is a very good chance as well that he'll make the Briar, even if he doesn't win the Viterra. Brad Gushu is ranked third. He's already in his team Canada. You'd think one of Kevin Cooey or Brendan Botcher would win Alberta, so Carruthers' odds should be pretty good. Now, a disclaimer before we start this. Uh, this was recorded earlier. You may remember that Carruthers and Jason Gunlickson parted ways a couple months ago. The team has been curling with Brad Jacobs at recent slam events, but Jacobs can't compete in this because he's not from Manitoba, and it was past the cutoff time to be able to submit an import. According to a Curl Manitoba release from the other day outlining the tournament in Nipawa, it says that they've added Matt Lorenz to the roster. But Reed asked me to not ask him about filling that position yet. They're still deciding whether to go with three or four players for the event. Didn't feel it was fair to his team to speak on their behalf without talking about it as a team. Now, with that having been said, we start the interview. Well, Reed, a few days out from the the Viterra Curling Championship. You've been in a lot of these. How does this one feel going in? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited. There's, uh, you know, we're... We're we're not the first seed. Uh, Dunstone's team has had a, ter- a terrific year. They're they're a great team. Uh, so you know we're kind of going into it with like the underdog approach, especially because you know our team is even. We've made the switch. Um, you know we've had a player personnel change from the start of the season. So you know our backs are against the wall a little bit in that regard. But you know we're excited because uh, you know we've been there and done that and won this championship before and. I'm excited to get out there and compete with uh, maybe a little bit less uh, stress than usual. Now, you're the second seed at this event. We had Matt on the show last night, and he said he didn't really feel pressure as the, the number one seed, but also the fact that he knows he's getting into the briar, win or lose this event. There's also a pretty good chance that you get into the briar, win or lose the event. Does that take any pressure off, or do you still want to make sure yeah, you got the buffalo yeah, on your like back? I, yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a, it's a great situation for both of our teams because – you know, we can go and battle it out, and it means a lot to win the 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 right to wear the Manitoba colors at at the Briar. And you know, we've got a bunch of really good young teams uh, and veteran teams in Manitoba that are gonna you know test test our teams. And even you know, the top four or five seeds are are definitely teams that can win this uh, on any given day. So for us, uh, it's going to be a good test uh, for the Briar. You know, if uh, we're, we're not guaranteed, but I know Matt is for sure. But uh, I think based on, you know, the outcomes that need to take place in order for us to qualify for the Briar, our chances are pretty decent. Yeah, I'd, I'd call it 95% personally, but the, we'll see what happens in Alberta and what happens in Manitoba. For you then, how would you say your your lead into the Viterra has gone as a team? Uh, yeah, you know, like, like our actual lead up going into the event, I, I think... I think it's gone well. You know, we, we made the final in, uh, in Phoenix. Uh, we had a bit of a, an off stretch, um, 
in December. Um, but, you know, we had a pretty strong showing uh, at the Grand Slam and we've been practicing hard. So I think, you know, we're definitely ready. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you you messaged me earlier for an interview. I was on my way to practice. So, you know, we're putting the work in and just hopefully we can get the results we want. Have you ever gone from curling one week in Phoenix to Nipawa the next? Uh, no, like we, we played this Phoenix field before pre-pandemic, before uh, the Viterra Championship. Um, you know, I'd have to look back on, on how that led to results, but it was, it was an interesting temperature change uh, Tuesday morning, I'll tell you that. How's the ice in Phoenix? The ice was actually uh, pretty darn good. Uh, normally, it's pretty straight, but we had a little bit more curl than normal. Uh, so, so that was nice, and it was nice to, to walk into the rink in t-shirts. <laughs> I bet it was, uh, compared to what you're going to be doing uh, in Nipawa on Tuesday, though it's supposed to be a bit warmer by then. The, does the How much does the climate outside really impact conditions at an event, especially if the, the temperature is fluctuating through a week? Yeah, like it's, it's interesting because normally if... With humidity, humidity is kind of the one variable that really wreaks havoc on, you know, these ice makers. You know, they do a great job and we're blessed with very good ice. Um, but cold is normally one of those things that kind of leads to good ice. Uh, if you see the curlers are wearing jackets, the ice is normally consistent. And when you get to some events like the Briar where it's a little bit warmer in the building, it can be a little bit tougher for the ice makers to make the ice as consistent as normal so um you know we've been we've been in a in a provincial championship in equal before i remember it as a cold building so i'll be packing my tube but i expect uh you know greg and the ice crew will will have the ice uh, just the way he wants it back to to matt dunstone being the top seed back in this province what are your experiences playing against him over the years but whether it's in when he was in saskatchewan or here in manitoba yeah, you know, we we seem to always have great battles. Uh, Matt and I are good friends, but we're also big rivals. Uh, there's lots of competitive jabs that get thrown back and forth to one another, and I think it, it brings out uh, the best in one another. And, you know, like, uh, for me, watching his success this year with a new team, it's, uh, it's something that's motivating. You know, it makes us want to work a little bit harder, um, you know, to have that provincial rival. Uh, in and amongst the other great teams out of Manitoba. So, yeah, like I, I expect uh, us to have, uh, you know, if, if, we're, if we're fortunate to play each other some some point late in this event, uh, I'd expect it to be, uh, you know, quite the game. What was it like seeing Mike McEwen win the Ontario Tankard last weekend? Yeah, I was watching closely. We, we had some time off when we were in Phoenix and we were able to stream uh, some of the games and it looked like that team was uh, was clicking for sure uh, and you know I was happy for them um, you know I sent him a few messages here and there and it was uh, it was good to see a couple uh, couple veterans uh, play their best and earn their right to uh, don the Ontario colors. So if you do end up at the Briar taking on Mike, will it be weird seeing him in a in an Ontario jersey or is that just kind of the nature of curling in 2023 with a lot of people playing outside their home province? Yeah, like I think, you know, you feel you feel the the weight of the jacket that you wear, but you know, when I look at Mike, I'm still playing Mike. It's, you know, doesn't matter what the jacket is. I know I'm going to have to play great. Uh, it's not like we're playing a mysterious person. So, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you you get fired up to play some of the best competitors. So, um, 
yeah, it, I'm, I'm sure the way that he played in, in the, uh, the Ontario Provincials, uh, you know, if we're fortunate to play him, it's, it's going to be a battle. I know you've curled with Derek for a long time, but uh, Connor Nagavin, a newer addition to your team, what have you what have you felt his contributions have been to the team since you joined forces? Yeah, Connor is extremely organized, and his work ethic is uh, second to none. Uh, I think he's he's been he's brought lots of great perspectives to the team. You know, I know he's the youngest one on the team, but uh, you know he coaches he coaches a, a Japanese team. And, uh, you know, he's taught at my curling camp over the years. Uh, he's a brilliant mind. And uh, I think he just, he brings from, he, he brings some uh, veteran experience, but while keep, while almost still having that youth influence on our team. So uh, I'd almost think of him as more like a spark plug on our team. You mentioned coaching. Are you coaching Carrie's team again at the Scotties? Yeah, you bet. You know, so I had practice with the girls yesterday. Uh, and yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, helping them in their quest, uh, at the Scotties, uh, you know, the week following the, the Viterra, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a busy stretch for me here, but I'm looking forward to all of it. So you're spending a lot of time away from home then, aren't you? Uh, you bet, you bet. Uh, I'm very fortunate to have a great wife who allows me to compete, uh, and play curling at the highest level. I'm, I'm, I'm I think about that every day. I'm, I'm definitely blessed. Uh, finally, just looking at the the Scotties, the fact that there are four teams from Manitoba at the Scotties in, in an eighteen eighteen team field, what does that say about the state of curling in our province? Yeah, you know, it's kind of been like that for for a few years now, where you know there's there's numerous teams from Manitoba competing, and it's not even just about being there; like these are teams that could win. So it's uh, it's impressive. Um, you know, competition breeds more. Competition, I think uh, it's great for our state of curling, and uh, you know it's it's great to see a couple of really good teams in Manitoba on the men's side as well. Um, you know, there's there's some great young teams like the Weave team. That's a that's a great young team. Uh, Calvert, uh, you know, Corey Chambers is a perennial contender. So uh, the strength of field in Manitoba on the men's and women's side is both awesome. Yeah, and then you got Mike and Jacques Gauthier skipping teams from uh, other provinces at the Briar already, so that's pretty cool too. Well, Reed, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and a best of luck at the Viterra coming up. Uh, thank you. Thanks for your time as well. Why don't we go to Regina right now, where the Rough Riders are? Well, let's find out from Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post with free agency starting in about a week and a half. Uh, Rob, do the Riders... What do they need a quarterback? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly the popular question around here. It's not a matter of do they need one, but which one do they need? And uh, there isn't much doubt that they're going to be shopping for a quarterback, whether it's either by a free agency or by perhaps acquiring uh, the uh, the rights to uh, Dane Evans from the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I would uh, one of those options will be exercised. I would think. If you could pick. What would you pick? This is presuming that Cody Fajardo won't be back, and I'm still not sure that Cody Fajardo isn't uh, isn't their best option. Considering uh, there a lot of quarterbacks had had down years last year in the Canadian Football League, and and they, there really wasn't uh, sound protection in front of him. So I'm not sure that the the conditions were right for Cody Fajardo to to have the kind of season that people were expecting. But presuming that he's discounted from the equation, and if Trevor Harris follows through 
and decides not to resign with Montreal and becomes a free agent, I would think that that would be the the best option. And there aren't a lot of teams that are really looking for quarterbacks right now. And, uh, you know, Montreal could be one of them. And if so, what are the options for Trevor Harris? There may not be many others other than Saskatchewan, although Toronto might be a bit of a question mark. Um, I would think Trevor Harris would be the, would be the, the player to pursue uh, in, unless, uh, unless the riders uh, are more interested in Dan Evans for some reason. Was there a, a devastation that Bo Levi Mitchell chose to sign in Hamilton or did people really actually think he was going to come to Regina? I don't think many people looking at it realistically ever did. If he had gotten to free agency and then not come to Regina, I think there would have been uh, some, some letdown. But as soon as the Tiger Cats acquired his, his rights, not long before the Grey Cup, I think anything that was said was just posturing. It was going to end up as it did. And so, and I'm sure there would, would have been some Ryder fans, given the rough rivalry between the Rough Riders in Calgary, that would not have wanted to see Bo Levi Mitchell here anyway. And, and you have to remember, too, that he was benched midway through last season at an earlier juncture than was Cody Fajardo on a better football team with better protection provided to the quarterback. So is is how much of an upgrade is he really? I, I want to see over a full season whether he can still play like the bowley by Mitchell we remember. And there were question marks about him. I think there was question marks about pretty much any quarterback who's going to be on the market. It's uh, it's uh, I think somebody's going to get overpaid because they just happen to be one of the few quarterbacks who can who can play. Well, that's the nature of the position in the CFL. If someone wants you, they're going to keep you, and there's a reason you're available, right? Yeah, and, and it's interesting in that you know the judgment has been passed on a number of quarterbacks will probably end up getting second chances elsewhere and they may end up doing marvelous things given that second opportunity you have to look no further than winnipeg to see what zach claros has done to resuscitate his career you know two-time most outstanding player who is pretty much uh deemed expendable by hamilton and then deemed expendable by, by expendable by the rough riders then ultimately the toronto argonauts so there were three teams that uh, for various reasons uh moved on from zach claros and now everybody in, in the league pretty much wishes they had him if you go on the CFL website, they've got the list of all the pending free agents for 2023, and the Rough Riders have not done much with uh, most of them going into this offseason. They've extended a few players like Jordan Beaulieu. Uh, they've got Jeremy Clark back. They've got Nick Marshall back, Jamal Morrow's back, and a couple others. But is there a, a feeling that they're just going to shake the whole thing up? What's what's the plan here? Do they have a plan? I, I, think, they're, I think the plan... Is, is pretty evident uh, given the fact that they haven't resigned a lot of players. And I realize that there's some panic around here, but I commend Jeremy O'Day, the general manager for doing exactly what he is doing. They, uh, this was a six and 12 football team that did not win a home game after July 8th last year and uh, lost its last seven games of the regular season. And so why would you really want a considerable portion of that team to return? I think it's, it's time to, to really take a take a you know a chainsaw to the roster and and and, and find players who can who can be better. Uh, that, even the six and twelve record flatters them when you consider they started off four and one. So look at the way it's trending. I think it's very smart for Jeremy O'Day to to do what he's doing. And the fans here are not necessarily panicking, but are certainly concerned. But I, I think uh, I think they have to. We've only seen half the equation here. We haven't seen what the response will be for the Rough Riders 
once the free agency window opens and then once free agency takes effect. We're not, we've, we've seen who likely isn't going to be back, but we haven't seen who's replacing them. And presumably they're, they're stockpiling a lot of cash to make a huge splash here. And that could alter the, the mood and the spirits and the optimism in, uh, around here considerably. How much of that is Jeremy O'Day knowing it's kind of all or nothing for him this year? And that's the thing, you know, I, I think the, for him and Craig Dickinson, both of whom are on, have one year remaining on their contracts. And it, it would be, I think, contrary to, it would be counterintuitive for Jeremy O'Day to look at, uh, look at his roster right now and think, oh yeah, we're just not going to re-sign these players who are really good. Uh, I mean, he's he's got his job is on the line, his reputation is on the line. So, I think there has to be, and he's a smart man. So, there, there I think there has to be a really interesting uh, shoe to drop once uh, free agency uh, happens. Interestingly, uh, Jeremy O'Day uh, is part of the uh, uh, Edinburgh University uh, Athletics Hall of Fame. He used to play college football there. He was inducted in 2008, and at the time he was inducted, the Edinburgh quarterback was none other than Trevor Harris. So. A little so, bit of intrigue there. So you're, if you were to lay money down, you think it's Trevor Harris coming to Regina? You know, if, if he becomes a free... Like I thought Trevor Harris was going to resign with, with Montreal. I think a lot of people did. And Danny Machocha was quoted as saying that he was optimistic that it would get done. Uh, now it does not seem like it's going to get uh, done before the window opens anyway. So if, if you're Trevor Harris and you're looking around, what are the options? You know, maybe BC is an option now that Nathan Work has gone. But I think they're reasonably happy with Vernon Adams Jr. And they did give up a first-round draft, draft choice to get him. If you if you look around, there's not a lot of places. If Vern, if Trevor Harris doesn't sign with Montreal, where is he going to go? And so I would think Saskatchewan would be the interesting destination there. And Eugene Levin, Eugene Lewis, his favorite receiver, he, he's definitely going to free agency. He's not happy with the LOS offer. And and I think there's some curiosity around here, and maybe elsewhere in the league, that. Do uh, Trevor Harris and, and Eugene Lewis come as a package? And if they show up in Saskatchewan, uh, there there may be parades uh, thrown. So you know, the mood around here is pretty volatile, but that can work both ways. I don't know if that's enough to throw a parade in November or December, though. There's there's plenty wrong with what happened last year, and it wasn't just the quarterback. No, I mean, I, I think that what happened with the quarterback was symptomatic of other issues. The offensive line has been cited. Uh, I don't think the receiving core is nearly as dangerous as, as it needs to be. There is a, I think there's some explosiveness missing there. You know, Craig Dickinson said the other day in a radio interview that he's not sure that the, the speed aspect can be uh, handled by a free agency. You know, Eugene Lewis is a tremendous receiver, but he's not going to blow the top off a defense uh, with just on the strength of pure speed. So I think some of that's a recruiting issue, but they've got to find. They've got to find a receiver who is just genuinely dangerous and ideally two or three of them because that that was a problem for the quarterback last year and I think the uh, the offensive line was and I think the lack of reliance on a running game, if the Rough Riders did have something that they could hang their hat on offensively last year, was that they had a pretty good running game, but they, they deviated away from it all too often and, and too impulsively and I think that uh, compounded the problems that the offense was facing. On defense, A.C. Leonard released right before a roster bonus was due to him, and then he, of course, immediately signs with the Elks. How does that impact the defense? Uh, I'm not sure he impacted the defense much last year. He only had three sacks. He didn't have a sack in any of his last eight games. So 
Now, I, I'm told he was playing hurt, and that is certainly a factor to take into consideration. But I don't think they got anything close to the AC Leonard uh, that uh, led the league in sacks with 11 in 11 games the year before. So that didn't surprise me. I I, I'm, I was surprised that it took that long to do it. I don't think that's going to be a, a major reason. They've got Anthony Lanier II, a defensive tackle, who's really good. He's a pending free agent. I think his absence, if, if he is not back, would be uh, far more uh, concerning than A.C. Leonard not returning. So overall then, how are people feeling in Regina right now about the Rough Riders? Is it kind of panicky because a lot of people haven't been signed and they don't have a quarterback? Yeah, I mean, there is that apprehension. I, you know, I think, I mean, the, there are, they will get a quarterback who's had some experience in the league. I mean, it's whether it's Trevor Harris or Dane Evans, I think it's, it's pick one of those two, unless they decide to go with a, with a younger player and, and, and try to make up the cap savings by really bolstering other areas. But in a pivotal year such as this, I think they want to lean on an experienced quarterback and there's basically two options there. So uh, uh, I think there's some apprehension around here, you know, because I mean, Darnell Sankey led the league in tackles last year and set a rough rider single season record for in that category while doing so. And he's has not been uh, resigned as of yet, etc. cetera. But uh, honestly, if, when I look at the names of the, the prominent would-be free agents on the Rough Riders roster. I mean, none of them, the only one that really makes me think that, that there's an impactful player is uh, Darnell Sankey. Once I go further down that list, I don't see a, a lot that would even come close to falling into the category of irreplaceable. So as it stands right now, where would you rank the Riders in the West and what do they have to do to change that? Because I know the number is not one or two. No, but I think they could be in the battle for three. Uh, I mean, BC without uh, Nathan Rourke is a diminished football team. And uh, Edmonton, I think they're going to be a better football team with another year under Chris Jones. But uh, um, they're not, they're not I think, poised, poised for greatness. I'm not sure Calgary is what, what uh, it used to be either. Uh, they were, you know, they're synonymous with double-digit victory seasons, et cetera, but the their their playoff showings of late haven't been great, and uh, one of the I, my only concern about Winnipeg the roster looks good, but are they hanging on to an older team a little bit too long? I still think it's it's Winnipeg and Calgary is, is the top two in in one or in you know, either uh, one or two in either order, but uh, after that I think three is up for grabs. Uh, there just doesn't seem to be a real stunner, uh, maybe overall in the West Division, but uh, but certainly after you get past the top two. Rob, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and we'll check in uh, if anything crazy happens in free agency. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, uh, Christian, and uh, go Jets. Yes, Rob Vanstone of the Regina Leader Post, big Jets fan. We love having him on the show to talk all things riders because, well, they're compelling in different ways this time of the year. The last couple of years, for sure, they've been going downward. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Try to warn you over the day.
Stellar intellect, which might explain your 